Good morning, friends. Good, uh, good to be with you guys today. Hey, as, uh, as Josh mentioned for us, uh, today is the actual day. Today is Pastor Dugley's birthday, everybody. Yes, my, uh, my good friend and partner in crime, for whom I am so grateful, uh, today is the actual day. 48 years young, I tell you. It, uh, and it takes 48 years to get that handsome. You have to work at it. You've got to work at it. That doesn't happen overnight, people. So happy birthday, Doug. We're so grateful for you, brother. Yes. And, uh, and hey, another, uh, another thing I want to call attention to here, uh, which is very good news. So uh, we hired a wonderful new Kid Life coordinator, Miss Lydia Emerson. We're so excited for that. And uh, as much as she doesn't really enjoy being in front of people, she was kind enough to consent to being interviewed just a little bit this morning. So Lydia, come on up. So thank you for giving us a chance to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, Tell us, if you would, about you and your family. Um, Okay. Well, my family is right there. So my husband, Carlton, um, we've been married for almost 20 years, as it was on theirs. Um, so he works at Travelers. Um, we have a little one, Kyla. She's five. She'll be starting kindergarten in the fall. And Isaiah, our oldest, he's 19. He's at Cal State Fullerton. And Elias is our middle. He starts uh, freshman year at Torrance High. So we're... Excellent. Yeah. But um, I, Carlton and I grew up in Cerritos, so we're local uh, Southern California people. But I actually moved to New Jersey because my dad actually was a pastor as well, and he um, was involved in church plants, and he was a pastor for over 12 years. Um, It was a little crazy because he decided to become a pastor when he was 50. So we were all in high school, and it was a little traumatizing, but it was actually (laughs) kind of, it was definitely a blessing. So he served, and then in terms of just the ministry that I've been with kids, um, because my dad was part of um, a lot of church plants and as a pastor, I was also involved in the children's ministry as well. And um, so, um, I don't know. Yeah, so children's ministry is not new to you. No. You've been doing this, I mean, since you're a teenager, basically, right? Yes. Yes. And I know you you have just huge passion for kids and for kids' ministry. Why is that? Why do you think it's so important? Um, I think it's just kind of, aside from the children's ministry, I've always just loved being with kids. And one way or another, I've always been involved, even with my kids when they're at school or activities, even when they don't want me to be involved or chaperone, (laughs) I'm there. Um, But... And then on top of that, obviously, with the children's ministry, I grew up in the church. And there were a couple of times where I kind of had to get dragged there. But growing up, obviously, when our parents do things out of love or just in general, you don't really realize the value of it as until you get older. So my, I think it's great and it's important for the kids to be in the church. Not just, obviously, just to appease their parents or, or anything, but just to build that foundation of getting to know who God is and not just God, but Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and how um, they can be a part of their lives through anything and everything. And 
when they get older, as their spiritual relationship with God changes or evolves or, you know, maybe kind of absent sometimes, um, hopefully they'll be able to fall back on some kind of foundation that they had when they were five or six or ten hearing Bible stories of how real God is. So, Yeah, it's crucial. It's so good. Well, uh, Lydia, how would you like for us as a church to be praying for you in this role and to be praying for our kids as they come up through our ministry? Yeah, that would be, the prayer is definitely huge. I think it's so easy to, yeah, I'm guilty of that too. But yes, if we can all pray together as a family for myself, the volunteers, the church, and especially the kids to just be curious and excited about who God is and it's hard, you know, There's, it's, we go through our day-to-day and our routines, and it's so easy for God to just kind of be off to the side. But um, even if it's to be excited on Sunday morning to come to church and learn what's happening and get to know who God really is. So just for all of us, like I said, for myself, for the volunteers, whoever's involved, the parents, the kids, all to have that, develop that passion where it starts off with curiosity and then excitement and happy and all that all the good stuff that all the amazing things that god has in store for all of us so yep love it love it well uh why don't we pray together now friends Uh, father we thank you so much uh, for the work that you're doing here in this church we thank you god for uh so many kids who have have come up in this ministry already Uh, kids who were born here and are now young adults, uh, for the kids who are kids here now of every age, the the little ones, our teenagers, God, all of them, we're so grateful. And Lord, we we just say yes to the privilege and the responsibility of helping our kids find you. And we do pray that they would be curious, that you would instill in them a holy curiosity to know who you are, to know what you're all about. Uh, We pray, God, that that curiosity will mature into a saving faith, a saving knowledge of who you are. And God, we uh, we pray that for our kids. We pray your special blessings on all those who minister to our kids, Uh, their parents for sure, the volunteers in our kids' ministry, the the informal uh, relationships that are built with kids here. And uh, for Lydia today, as she takes on this new role, we're so thankful. We pray your blessings on her. We pray that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit. We pray you give her wisdom, that you fill her with vision, uh, that you empower her with all that she needs uh, for doing your will in this place. We thank you, God, and we trust you with all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks. Ah, so good. Good. Well, hey, folks. Uh, So our series that we are in is Learning to Pray Like Jesus. And we, in these weeks, we are studying the masterclass that Jesus gives us on praying. It's the prayer that we maybe know, uh, most commonly know as the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. And uh, part of the challenge during this series has been for all of us to pray this prayer every day, at least once every day, to pray the Lord's Prayer, to make this a pivotal part of, uh, of our life in God, what it looks like to interact with him. And this is how we do it. So as you pray this prayer, try to take one or two minutes per line of this prayer and, and to focus on that aspect of how Jesus is teaching us to pray. 
And in this series, we're breaking it down to seven words. Uh, some of you I know have picked up some of these, these beads of this is helpful for you, this is, this is something I do, this is something Christians have done for centuries, actually, all different Christian traditions, is, is having something tangible and tactile to help us remember where we're at in our prayers, to focus our mind on the line that we're praying. And so uh, think of the Lord's Prayer, not just as a prayer to recite, but as a framework for prayer, where each line serves sort of as, as a hook, if you will, on which we hang our own prayers. So, uh, so for instance, we would pray our Father in heaven, and we would, would take a minute or two or more, and we reflect It's our first word. We reflect on who God is. Jesus said, think about Jesus this way when you go to pray. And then, hallowed be your name. Take a minute or two or more and worship God for who he is. Uh, As you reflect on his goodness, take time and praise him for that. Worship him in that. Third line is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Take time to surrender. That's the third word to surrender to God, to ask, Lord, where do I need to bring my life in line with your will? And then today, give us today our daily bread. This is word four, ask. This is where we're going today. Asking God for things. Now, this is the part of prayer that probably most of us are most familiar with. This is the part of prayer that I'm going to guess every person in this room probably practices the most. God, help me. I need this thing, right? So it's super, super familiar. Why do we even need a teaching on it? We can just give a benediction and go home at this point. Uh, But it is an area where I I find sometimes it gets a little weird for us. Uh, So I remember one day I was talking with my brother-in-law about this. His name's Marty. Uh, we We were actually talking about the Lord's Prayer and I, I think it was maybe because he saw my beads or something like that. But anyway, I was talking about, about, yeah, I pray really well when I run. That ends up being my best prayer time. I've got my prayer beads. I'm cruising down the road and, you know, just have my thumb on whatever word in the prayer that that bead represents. And I was telling him, yeah, that's a really good time for me to pray is when I run. And Marty responds back to me, yeah, I pray well when I run too. God, don't let me die. <laughs> But that's the help me prayer, right? That is, that is the heart of so much of our praying, is asking God for the things that we want, for the things that we need. And friends, Jesus teaches us, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us that this is good. That we are, in fact, to ask God for those things that we need, for those things that we want. But here's the thing. I find that for, for most believers, and particularly those who take their faith most seriously, there usually comes a point when we question, is it really okay for me to be praying this way? Is it really okay for me to, to have so much of my life of prayer be bound up in asking God for things? Right? And we wonder things like, what does God think of this? Does he look at me as like this whiny kid who's like, you know, just always oh, asking for stuff, or am I like that annoying family member who only shows up when a meal's being served, or only shows up when I need to borrow money or something? Am, am I that person? We start to have these questions that, that kind of roll around 
uh, in our minds, particularly as it comes to asking in prayer. And, and maybe you're the exception. Maybe you never, never think about or struggle with these questions, but I know a, a lot of people really do. So uh, today, today as we, we look at this, we're going to look at what the Lord's Prayer says about some of these questions for us. Because Jesus actually addresses these sorts of concerns that come up for us in terms of prayer. So here's where we're going. Uh, We're going to talk about three common misconceptions that we have about prayer. Uh, And these often become barriers to our prayer. And specifically, misconceptions and barriers when it comes to asking prayer, this type of prayer. And we'll see how Jesus speaks to these. So uh, let's pray the prayer together, friends, as we come to our text. We pray as Jesus taught us, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Uh, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And Father, to this we add uh, this request that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would make your word plain to us, that you would use this time to draw us closer to Jesus and to make us more like him. So God, wherever we are at with you, each of us, we pray you would meet us there, that you do your good work in us. We pray this, trusting you, in Jesus' name, amen. So give us today our daily bread. We're here asking God for the things that we want, for the things that we need. So, three misconceptions we have around this. So, number one is this. And we'll put the question this way. Is asking God for things, is asking too unspiritual? Too unspiritual. Or as, as some have posed this question to me, is asking like, is it kind of inferior prayer? Is this a less holy kind of prayer, an unworthy way maybe to approach a great God. And whatever form this question asks, I find it ends up being pretty common with people. Just just wondering, is it somehow improper to ask? Is it too bold of me to bother God with my petty concerns, with my little requests? Right? I, I remember uh, one young woman put it this way. She says, when I come to God asking for like these normal everyday things, I feel like I'm imposing on God. I feel like I'm imposing. Anyone, you feel this at all? Anyone relate to this particular challenge? If you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Because for, for almost all of us, I imagine the way that our prayer journey begins is with asking. Right? And this is true if you're a child. If you're a kid and if you grew up in a home that's religious, then no doubt the first kind of prayer that you are going to be practicing is just asking God Four simple things. Uh, And similarly, even if if you came to faith as an adult, or you're in the process now of coming to faith as an adult, uh, probably somewhere in there, there was a need. Maybe a crisis, maybe something short of that, but something where you had to say, I think I need God. And you reach out in prayer. Uh, There's that, that old saying, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole, right? Everyone's praying when there's bullets flying over your head. Well, 
I'm pretty sure that prayer is not reflecting or worship. It's help me, God. I need you. I need you. So uh, this kind of prayer then is, is sort of ever-present. But that said, if you continue in your journey with God, then at some point probably you also realize that this God I'm praying to is the God of the universe, the one who created the heavens and the earth. And maybe we wonder, is, is this a worthy way to approach such a God? Am I even worthy to approach such a God? That's next week's teaching where we're going next in the Lord's Prayer. But friends, in one form or another, most religious people have thought, I should be doing more than just asking God for stuff. Certainly the spiritual life is more than that. And, and of course, that's true. Right? That's why there's seven words we're looking at, not just one. There's more to prayer than asking. But here is the reality. Jesus tells us to ask. We did not come up with this. Jesus tells us to ask. He says, this is part of what you do when you come to God in prayer, is you come to God presenting your wants and your needs. You ask for your daily bread. But even though Jesus is the one who said this, we, we shrink back. We think, gosh, you know, shouldn't my praying be more spiritual? But listen, don't try to be more spiritual than God. Jesus tells us to ask. Uh, I've, I've heard it taught, maybe you have too, uh, explicitly in, in some places that, you know, our, our prayer should be more about worship or it should be more about confessing our sin or more about this or that. I say nonsense. Jesus tells us to ask. Uh, this, I think, very possibly is a struggle that some of his contemporaries had as well. Uh, in the time of Jesus, there is a very popular prayer known as the Kaddish, uh, a Jewish prayer. And, uh, and the heart of it goes like this. It says, magnified and sanctified be his great name. Right? Sounds very similar to hallowed be your name. And they pray this. May God establish his kingdom during your life and during your days speedily and in the near future and let the people say amen. Right? There's a piece in there that's very similar to let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what isn't there? There's no coming to God as our Father, and there's no asking God for what we need. And the prayer of Jesus, those two are deeply connected. Jesus tells us to ask, and the one that we are asking is our Father. Listen, friends, if we are to take Jesus seriously at his word, then asking God for what we want and what we need, this needs to be at the heart of our ordinary, everyday praying. Jesus repeats it dozens of times in different ways, but listen to how he puts it just a little further in the same passage. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he gives this illustration. He says, which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Right? Jesus says, even though as parents you're not always all that great, even you get this part right. How much more your Father in heaven? Parents, let me ask you this. And kids, think about your side of this. When, when your child asks for breakfast, are they imposing? Is there something objectionable in that ask? No. Jesus says, how much more? Your father, uh, he wants to bless you. Can you receive that? That God wants to bless you. In doing this, asking God for what we want, what we need, it puts us in a place that Jesus has told us to be. It puts us in the place of children dependent on God. Right? For kids, as far as they are concerned, the universe is an endless supply of peanut butter and jelly. Right? (laughs) They never think to themselves, oh, I need to stop asking for this. It's too much. They just ask for what they need and they trust that their parents who love them are going to provide it. Uh, Brennan Manning, in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, he puts it like this. He says, Jesus cuts to the heart of the matter as he sits the child on his knee. The child is unselfconscious, incapable of pretense. He says, I'm reminded of the night little John Dyer, three years old, knocked on our door, flanked by his parents. I looked down and said, hi, John. I'm delighted to see you. He looked neither to the right nor left. His face was set like flint. He narrowed his eyes with the apocalyptic glint of an aimed gun. Where's the cookies, he demanded. (laughs) Children know how to just ask. Jesus says to us, this is your model, the children. Just ask for what you need. And then trust that your father thinks your needs and your wants are important too. And that he is good enough and wise enough to sort out what's too trivial, what's too petty, what's too unspiritual. Just ask. Jesus tells us to do that. Uh, The second misconception I want to bring up this morning about asking God for things is this question, is asking selfish? When I ask for things, am I being too me-centered? And, you know, sometimes we think, we come to this part of prayer and we think, I shouldn't be thinking of myself. But again, remember, Jesus tells us to ask. And he tells us in the Lord's Prayer, not just to ask for others, but to ask for our daily bread. Certainly others are part of that, but we are too. Our, in our daily bread, includes you. You can ask for things for yourself, and it's not, in and of itself, selfish. Daily bread. What's meant by that? By our daily bread. It's not just our food. It's everything that we need for that day. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, bread represents all that's necessary for life. Our food, our health, our clothing, our companionship, our work, all of these things. Right? It might mean for you strength that day to be a good parent 
It might mean help with your mental health struggles. It might mean making friends at school. It might mean help with that test that's coming up. It might mean praying for healing for that nagging health issue. What is your daily bread? What is the need that you have this day? Far from Jesus saying that thinking about those things is selfish, Jesus says, ask God for those things. Give us today our daily bread. Friends, here's the reality that Jesus is is pressing on us through this prayer. It's that God cares about your daily needs. These are not too small. These are not too trivial. These are not... Uh, something that we shouldn't be bothering the king of the universe with. This is exactly what Jesus would have us bring. Nothing is too routine. Nothing is too small. Also, nothing is too big. Just bring to God the concerns that you have that day. Uh, I, I know this struggle well. I fall into this one on occasion and one of the things I remind myself of whenever I'm thinking that something I'm asking for is perhaps too selfish is I think about Jesus' first miracle, uh, the wedding in Cana where he turned water into wine. Do you know this story? Here's the thing about this story that gets me every time. This is the first miracle of Jesus. This is, this is the first supernatural display of, of power in his life and ministry. And why does he do this thing? Why does he perform this wonderful miracle where water becomes wine? One of my personal favorites. It's to keep a friend from being embarrassed. The power of God coursing through the universe, first displayed in the sun, is to keep a friend from being embarrassed. Not to stop world war, not to end a famine. It's to keep a friend from being embarrassed. Think about that. What does that say about what God thinks about your needs? Can can you see, friends, that we're on the wrong track when we're trying to parse through and say to ourselves, oh, is, is this big enough for me to trouble God with? Jesus says, just, just ask. Ask today for our daily bread. Now, what is it we might ask that does make prayer selfish? It's, it's not the asking. Listen to what James says. James 4, he says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Uh, and James, let me, let me stop there for a second. So James says, the problem here is your motives are all wrong. You're just thinking about your pleasures. And Maybe we stop and we say, okay, wait a minute. Isn't that like 90% of what I pray for when I'm asking? No, no. Listen, the next line clarifies. James says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What makes a request selfish, right? We're praying for ourselves, Praying for ourselves doesn't make it selfish. What makes a request selfish? James says, the problem isn't that we're asking for ourselves. The problem is that we're adulterous, that we're friends with the world in ways that we should not be. It's not that a request is too big or too small or too personal. 
The issue, he says, is when we're trying to live just like the world around us and trying to enlist God's help in that. When we are letting the world's value system dictate what we want and we're asking God to help us in our own project of self-promotion and self-building, when our prayer is moving us farther from God instead of closer to him, that's what constitutes prayer that is selfish. And I, I wonder, I wonder if maybe this is part of why ask is the fourth word in the Lord's Prayer and not the first. Right, Because if you think about it, if we're praying in the way that Jesus teaches, we're taking time when we pray to reflect on God as our Father. And we're taking time seeing him as he is to worship God for his goodness and his beauty and his love and his holiness. And then if in that we're asking God, we're surrendering, we're saying, God, are there places in my life where my will is out of line with your will? If we are on the regular, if we're praying in this way, do you think that might affect what it looks like when we come to the part of prayer when we're asking God for what we want and need? Do you think that maybe what we want and need gets shaped by praying in this way where we're coming to God in a place of surrender and reflection and worship? Right? Of course. It's deeply formative for us. This is part of the genius, the wisdom of Jesus as he tells us to pray. As we pray the Lord's Prayer, our motives get purified. The more we live into that day by day by day, we become the kind of people who are asking God the right kinds of things to begin with. So hear this right, friends. Uh, Jesus is not saying to us, you need to get your motives right before you ask God for things. No, no, no. He's saying, come to God every day as your father. Ask for what you want to need. And as we go, as we go, he does the work of forming us and shaping us. Third one that I want us to, um, I want us to, to take a look at this morning. And this, this one's a little more philosophical, but I find it's really common also. Uh, we ask the question, doesn't God already know what I need? Or maybe another way to put it is, is asking God for things redundant? Right? If God knows what I need, why am I asking in the first place? Right? I, I, remember, I remember as a kid, I had to be like seven or eight, but I, I remember lying in my bed one night and just being so troubled by this question. I was a strange kid. I was was very philosophical for a long time, I guess. But I remember lying in bed and wondering, why in the world am I saying my prayers at night when God already knows I pray? I would be better off just thinking about Star Wars and the other things that are consuming my thoughts most of the time and all this. Um, And I, you know, in the years since then, I've had, had many friends who are atheists sitting with me across from coffee you know, delivering this like the, the crusher, you know. Why, the whole, the whole matter of prayer is undone if God knows what you need before you ask. And I'm like, dude, Jesus addresses this. This isn't a crusher. Jesus talked about this himself, right? Uh, in, in fact, you might remember it's in the verse right before the Lord's Prayer. He says, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but he says, when you pray, 
You don't have to pile up a ton of words so that God will hear you. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him for it. Right? This is, if you go back to, to message one in our series, we talk a, a little bit more about this in depth. Uh, later, just a little further after the Lord's Prayer, the same chapter, Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. Your Father knows that you need these things. He says, you have a perfectly loving Father who's going to say yes or no based on what is best for you. We don't pray because God is ignorant and we need to bring him up to speed. So, it still raises the question though, right? I mean, if this is the case, and Jesus obviously is well aware that this is the case, it's not a problem for him, but it still raises the question, then why do we ask if God already knows? And I, I've been helped greatly in this by C.S. Lewis, and um, I, I think it, it boils down to two reasons. The first is we ask, even though God knows, we ask because asking allows us to participate in the work of God. And second... Because asking is part of what draws us closer to him as well. Uh, Lewis writes on this in a number of places, but one that you can Google up. It's readily available if you want to read the short essay called The Efficacy of Prayer by C.S. Lewis. It's fabulous, but to summarize it for you, uh, he, he says in essence, it is no stranger that God works in response to our prayers that is that God works in response to anything in life. And he puts it like this. Think about this. He says, uh, God could repair our bodies every day without us having to take in food. There's no reason that God can't do that. There's no reason that we should have to eat to have our bodies repaired. But God has ordered things such that we do. We have to eat. For that matter, he says, there's no reason that to provide food, we need the help of farmers or butchers or bakers. God could just make it appear on your table every morning, and that would be the end of it. And he goes on, and he lists all kinds of different things in that. He says, there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to acquire knowledge without having a teacher or reading it in a book. There's no reason that God wouldn't, wouldn't uh, convert those in foreign places without the use of missionaries, and all these examples. And he says, prayer isn't any different. God has ordered the world such that there are means that we are to participate in for the world to work. He says prayer is just one more of those. God invites us to pray and to ask because he is inviting us to participate in his good work in the world. Uh, The way he puts it, he quotes Blaise Pascal. He says God has given us in prayer the dignity of causality. In prayer, in asking in particular, we are invited into God's good work in the universe. And this takes us back to last week in the teaching on kingdom. God's intent was never for us to be these sort of pawns moving about on his chessboard. He made us to be co-governors with him in this great universe that he has created. Friends, we can't do that if we aren't participating in what God is doing. Prayer invites us to join God in his work. That's one. Second is that by praying, we are reminded that God loves us like a father, that he wants us to live in healthy dependence on him. Again, Jesus' words here. uh, He says, give us our daily bread. Daily. 
He wants us to not just pray once for everything we're going to need over the course of a lifetime. He wants us to come to him every day. Asking for what we want. Asking for what we need. To live in dependence on a father who loves us. Uh, That phrase, daily bread, uh, this is a reference back to the Old Testament. Daily bread in the Old Testament is what? Does anybody know? It's manna. That's right. It's manna. So there's a period in the life of the Hebrew people when they had had been slaves in Egypt and they were brought out of Egypt and they're traveling through the desert and how in the world do you provide food for this million people as they travel through the desert every day? The answer is you can't. But God miraculously provides them daily bread. Manna, this bread that falls from heaven. And it came each day and every day they had to gather it up for that day. Store up enough for that day. If they tried to take more, the extra that they would take would rot. Right? It had to be taken in every day, except for the Sabbath, when they were told that day you're to bring in enough for today and tomorrow, and that day it didn't rot. It's this, this beautiful, miraculous provision that God provides in this time in Israel. But with that, with the daily bread, there's, there's this powerful and wonderful warning that comes. In Deuteronomy, and, and I'm going to read you a little bit of it, and tell me if this doesn't sound like us today as 21st century Americans. But it goes like this. There's this warning where God says, it won't always be like this. Right now you're dependent on me every day. But you are going to come into a place where you're able to build yourself nice houses. And you're going to be able to farm your own fields. And you're going to be able to provide your own food. And you're going to find, find minerals in, uh, in gold and silver in the hills. And he says, you're going to come to a place where you're going to get kind of comfortable. And you're going to get kind of wealthy. And he says, when that day comes, you are in danger. Listen to this. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says, God fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Right? He says, apart from this daily dependence on God, when you get to a place where you're doing okay, it's incredibly easy to look at your efforts and say, I did this. I don't have a need. I did this. And to stop being dependent. But the warning here, he says, don't forget, even your own strength and energy and brilliance and industriousness that allowed you to have these things, even that's a gift from God. You're always, he says, dependent on the Father. Friends, do you think as relatively wealthy 21st century Americans, perhaps we need to be reminded of that on occasion. The Lord's Prayer reminds us of that. Every day, give us today our daily bread. Every day we are saying, God, I labor under the illusion that I can do it on my own. But I'm here in your presence to remind myself that's not true. I need 
you. We pray, even though though God knows we're going to ask, we pray because it reminds us to be dependent on our Father who loves us. Gordon MacDonald wrote, God could give us everything without prayer, but in order to bring his child to his knee, God withholds that man may ask. We need, we need to be in relationship with our Father. And praying for our daily bread helps us to live more deeply into that. Let's pray together.